We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 30, is one of our main passages of scriptures. And then we're also going to be looking at Romans 9 and Genesis 12. Those are going to be kind of the main points. The rest of it, as far as I'm concerned, is just supporting documentation. So the Deuteronomy is the one that's really important. One of the things that has always come to me, and in my mind it makes a lot of sense, but it was just like, you hear people saying all the time, you know, I get so sick of hearing prosperity preachers, and I get so sick of, you know, them driving this car, or them doing this, or whatever that is. While I agree that there are probably some of those who go to an extreme measure, right? And it's more than we feel comfortable with. Like, for instance, I don't know about you, but even if God blessed me with a really nice car, I'd be scared to drive the thing. I'm just not that way. I'm not into ritzy ritzy. I'm into just basic, get me from here to there. You can ask my kids, the car that I'm driving right now is either called a grandma's car or a hoopty. So why are we not preaching prosperity? And it's kind of a unique question because of course we're like, oh, we shouldn't be preaching prosperity because prosperity is, you know, way off, right? Well, let's look at that. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20 says, now listen. Today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. You can look at different versions of this, and it all says basically the same information, but it's all talking about the fact that God is giving uh, his people a choice. And that still continues today that we have a choice. And so, for I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to keep his commandments, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you, the land you're about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and refuses to listen, and if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will be certainly destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings, Oh my goodness. Is that a hard decision? I mean, it'd be like saying you have a choice between steak dinner and five-day-old pizza. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land, the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And so, like I said, as God's kind of been presenting this to me, and uh, I don't know about y'all, but here lately, God has been speaking to me, and I actually then go and find the passages that he's been talking to me about, because it's not like I'm reading it in the Word. He's literally telling me those passages. Then I have to go like... Where was that found again? <laughs> you know? And so I have to go and search this out because it's very important that when we speak, that we speak stuff that's supported by the Word of God. And not that in me it wasn't supported by the Word of God because God was speaking directly to me. But I want you to understand that I'm not just going to this half-heartedly. But this is very important. So I want to look at a couple of different things. First of all, we may have been taught wrong. Uh-oh. Did I say that loud? We have a tendency to get into a mode of thinking, and then everything else operates off of that. Didn't it say you'd suffer for Christ? 
He talks about suffering for Christ. You do realize that God was not saying that you have to be a vagrant for me. He said, there's going to be hard times. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to say things you don't want to say, like me do this morning. Uh, you know, you're going to have to do things you don't want to do. Things aren't going to be super easy for you. But he didn't say you're supposed to go around living in a cardboard box. He's not saying that because what's that? That's saying that my God can't provide for me. And that's foolish because my God can provide for me. And it says he can. Okay? And then, you know, it says we'll face hard times. Well, duh. Everybody faces hard times, right? If you look to the word of God, it says that it says it will rain on the just and the unjust. It's going to happen. Things are going to occur. We live in a fallen, broken world. And things are going to happen. But stop thinking that you have to face just ugh, everything head on. You know what I'm saying? You're not alone in this. You don't have to buck up against every single wall by yourself. And then the last thing is, is I realized that um, suffering, here's the important thing about suffering. Personally, God causes me to walk through things so that I'll have passion about it. I'm not exactly experiencing the things that I feel like I should experience in this area. And so the mentality is, is right there that God must not care enough. Blah, that's not the truth. God does care enough. You know, we face things in situations, why? Because it builds us to where we need to be. If God was to make everything perfect for us, we'd never learn. We'd be one of these, I don't know, uh, how many of you have ever seen a spoiled child? I was kind of one for a while, okay? Uh, but, you know, you get into this mentality, and it's like, I can do anything, it's just, you know, it's easy, it's go, and, and then they get into the world, and it's like, you should give me a job, and, oh, by the way, you should hire me as your CFO, because, you know, I just got out of high school. And, and that's the mentality we get into. And so... God does cause us to walk through things. We're going to walk through things, but we're going to become stronger and we're going to develop a passion because then we can truly see the heart of God. In fact, I've been doing, I've been uh, studying for a bachelor's in psychology. When I originally went to college, I got an associate's degree, which is like, that's enough for me. It took me almost four years to get that. That's a two year degree. Okay. So I was just like, I'm, I'm done. But then God called me here recently, 25 years later, <laughs> to go back. And so I'm doing that, which is great. And I'm learning a lot. But one of the things I'm learning is, is the fact that, you know what? There are things that I may think or I may say, but am I really walking in that way? I'm believing that I'm going to be uh, an amazing husband when I'm done with this marriage and family crisis class. Because I'm seeing everyday stuff that I need to work on as a husband. Secondly, we may have been taught wrong. Isn't money evil? Ew. My dad always used to say, it's filthy liquor. You know, it's that nasty money. In fact, if you if you read up on money, it is one of the most um, disgusting things. It's touched by everybody. It carries everything with it. You literally touch that, and you're touching a lot of stuff. It is technically filthy, but at the same time, it's meaningful too. You know, it makes it happen, right? And so it's it's not about money itself. It's the love of money. When I place money above God and everything else, that's, right. that's the failure. 
I mean, right? I mean, look at this church, right? We pay for a live stream with what? Money. <laughs> we pay for guys to pick up kids in the van with what? Money. So how can it be bad if the church needs it to function? It's not bad. It's when you start placing it above. And it says you can't serve God and money. Right? Why? Because when I search money, it's fleeting and I can't catch it. Because <laughs> trust me, I've tried. It doesn't work. And this is where I'm at this morning. This is something that I'm going through currently. When I really focus on who God is and what he has in store and then what he has for me to share with others, that's the potency. It's not about anything else. It's about serving God. Money is just a secondary thing, icing on the cake. I'm not searching. I'm not grabbing for it. And I've realized that even as a minister, I've been that. I've been like, well, I deserve my fair pay, you know? I'm a preacher. I should get paid, you know? It's a paid position. It should be a paid position. Sometimes it isn't. But, you know, it should be. And so I was looking all the time and really was I focusing on God or was I focusing on a career path? And so, uh, God, you know, of course, once again, how's it work? You always get slapped upside the head harder <laughs> than you're going to tell other people. Don't just the wicked prosper. I mean, we see this in the Word of God, right? They're always talking about, oh, this king is a horrible person, but look at how he does well. You know, this person does not do well in their, uh, you know, in what they're doing, but they can just come up. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So, Think about this. They're not prospering. They're filling up your savings accounts. Because it's, they're not building up anything for them. They can't take it with them. They can't do anything else with it. It's going to falter. It's going to fade. But guess what? We get to become shareholders <laughs> in that process, you know? And so we have to really think about this. And I want you to listen to this. I was doing some research in the Bible. And let's just look at a couple. So Abraham, right? Y'all remember Abraham? I don't know about how many of y'all know about Abraham, but he was extremely, extremely well off. He had more, and this is a lot, especially in Kentucky that I've noticed, but he had more servants than you have extended family. <laughs> servants, right? You can say all your second, third, kissing cousins, whatever, okay? He had more than whatever you think you can have. And so he had so many servants, in fact, he could choose to go and fight a battle with his servants. Okay? Job. Okay, I know we know about the Job that, you know, suffered and had scabs on him and all that kind of stuff. And that's the curse of God. But do you realize before all that happened, he was questioned why? Because he was doing so well. And Satan said, if you'll take his stuff away, he won't serve you. And God was like, I don't believe you. I know his heart. His heart's after me. And that's why he had all the extra stuff. But he had tons of stuff before it all got taken away. And if you read about it, it says that. I mean, good gravy. Uh, I don't know how many of you have seen um, Aladdin. You know, Prince Ali, Ali, is he, Ali, blah, blah. And it says like a thousand camels on this. And you know, all these different things. That's Job. <laughs> you know, Job had a lot of stuff. And what's interesting is after he goes through the circumstances that cause his faith to be showcased for God, guess what? He gets more. I mean, it increases exponentially. So we have to understand that this is not. Solomon, 
Richest king ever. Ever means ever. Like it literally says in the word of God, there has never been a king and there never will be a king as wealthy as him. Why? Because he went after God. With his all heart, right? Now, we know he made some mistakes, but I'm just saying, that was his prime passion. And then Paul. Come on. Come on. I have been taught about Paul my entire life, especially when I started going into ministry. Well, Paul was a tent maker, and he made all his money, and then he didn't have to get anything from his ministry. How do you think he did some of the things he did? How do you think he built the churches that he built? How do you think he set up some of the processes he set up? He had finances coming into his ministry. Yeah. He said, it's not necessary because I can do it other ways, but he did. In fact, <laughs> it says at one point, he starts telling some of the churches, stop sending money. We have enough. Wouldn't that be awesome if our church literally got to a point where we said, stop sending it for the moment. We've got too much to deal with. Uh, give us a second. We'll process this, and then you can start over again, <laughs> right? That would be awesome. And that's the kind of mentality it is, because if you'll notice that here in our church, we have been blessed with exorbitant amounts of money for random times. And we're like, where did this come from? It was God. It was a God thing. And so don't think that, you know, don't think that you have to suffer like you think you have to suffer. Yes, there will be circumstances, but there's circumstances all the time. There's things you're going to go through that aren't going to be easy. But who said it was easy? If it was easy, anybody would give me Okay? And so, may have been taught wrong. Secondly, Another thing that I like to say, <laughs> because I've noticed I do this too, we may have skipped that in our Bible reading plan, <laughs> right? Come on, you read these Bible plans, right, and they jump around, right? They go, ding, 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 ding. It's like, you know, you're over here in the Old Testament, New Testament, uh, you know, into the Old Testament, you know, you're back and forth. And it's so much to your, the point where you're kind of like, you know, you're reading about uh, the prophets, and then the next thing you know, you're reading about the end times, and then, you know, and then you're reading about uh, a, a Proverbs or Psalms or whatever. And it's interesting because we kind of have that tendency to think that way. And so when we hear a scripture we like, we're kind of like, oh, that's a good one. If we don't really care about something, we just kind of read it. Okay? And so I just wanted to show you that in the Bible, the Holy Bible, there are passages of Scripture, and I didn't even pull half of them. I didn't even pull a quarter of them. I didn't I mean, I pull a fraction of them. Psalms 25, 12-13 says, Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity. And then to the inherit land. But look at what it says. Those who fear the Lord. They will live in prosperity. These are the things we're thinking of because when we focus on God, that other stuff is going to happen. Not it may happen, it will happen. I have to realize that faith is not seeing something come to pass. Faith is believing in something even if I don't see it. Wow. Be very careful about asking God to build your faith. <laughs> Uh, Psalm 34, 12 through 14 says, Does anyone want to live a long, a life that is long and prosperous? Oh my goodness. Is anybody on board with me with this one? No? Wow. You have to like raise your hands. You know, involved. Okay. So, right, who wouldn't want to live a life that's long and prosperous? Then it says, Keep your tongue from speaking evil. Stop telling lies. You know, turn away from 
evil, do good, search for peace, and work to maintain it. It's talking about the fact that do what's right. Live like God wants you to live, and guess what? Things are going to work out. But when I fail to do what I need to do on my end, then it becomes a fluctuating process on my side. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. My grandfather taught me this lesson. All his life, he had told me stories about like he would take like Bible college kids to lunch every time he went down. He'd pay for rooms for them to stay at a place and just enjoy time with and everything. And I'm just like, I have a hard time paying for my own family to do things. How are you paying for all these extra people? And why did it never run out? And he's like, I learned something very odd that God wants me to give. And when I give, I receive. He said, in fact, I got to the point where I was giving so much that we were scared that there wasn't enough money in the bank account. So we looked at the bank account. Nothing had changed. There was no, there was no drop in income. There was no drop in everything. Everything was just normal, flying along like normal. And look at all the stuff they were accomplishing. And he said, after that, I stopped looking at it. I didn't make that my focus. I didn't make that my priority. Not like he never paid bills. I'm just saying that, you know, he never focused and made that his priority to say, is it all going to be there? Because yes, it will. And in fact, it says here, give freely and become wealthy. He's stingy and lose everything. When I start to become a miser, I ain't going to have people around me. I ain't going to have things around me, right? And I can't take it with me. In fact, as big as I am, I'm going to be able to fit very little in that casket with me when I go. <laughs> Degeneration of prosperity. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh my goodness, who likes this one? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. Give you a whole future and a hope. If you look at the NIV, this says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Okay? So we're looking at things that are, are beneficial. Right? He's got plans to make you be able to do and have more to be able to do more. <laughs> And if we look later on in the Word of God, it talks about we're blessed to be a blessing, right? Deuteronomy 5, and I'm not going to read these in Deuteronomy 29. These are two things. Deuteronomy 5 talks about staying on God's path. He's talking to the uh, children of Israel, and he's like, look, if you'll follow after what God has, if you'll do what God says to do, guess what? He's got provision laid out for you. In fact, it says in the Word of God that he's already placed everything that we have need of in our grasp. And in fact, if you read him a little bit deeper and understand the passage there, it said he has laid out your path before you. So that means he has actually placed the things you need in front of you. Just follow. Don't freak out. Don't get worried about things. It's going to work. Deuteronomy 29 says, obey God's covenant. God made a covenant with us, right? He didn't say, go do whatever you want, live like the world, and I'll make sure you get taken care of. No, he didn't. He once over and over again, he said, look, you obey me, I'll take care of you. You know what I'm saying? In fact, to me, it's kind of like a mafia. You know, I thought about a lot. It's like, hey, you part of the family, you got to go. You know? And so that's what God's saying. God's saying, if you're part of my family, if you're part of my plan, if you're part of my purpose, I have some things for you. And as long as you'll be obedient to what I have laid in front of you, you're going to be fine. It's when we get off the path. I'm preaching to myself, okay? I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. This is what I tend to do. I tend to get my focus lost on different things. And here lately, I've lost a lot of focus. 
So God has helped me to regain focus in my life, and it's been very beneficial. In fact, I just want to let you know, I went back to school after 25 years, which is really weird to me. I'm still making A's. <laughs> it definitely wasn't me because prior to doing the schooling thing, I had a hard time remembering what date it was yesterday. <laughs> I mean, that's how flustered it was. But God has made all things possible. Why? Because it's his plan, not mine. <laughs> and he got it all taken care of. If we have a wrong state of mind, if we have been kind of brought up in a way that we understand things a little bit differently than the way that God would like us to understand things, what should we do with that? Well, we need to change our concept, right? So how can we change this concept? So how can we change this concept? Well, first of all, I think we need to define some things, okay? We need to define it. So what is prosperous? What is prosperity? Well, if you look in definitions, it talks about it's favorable, it's success, it's uh, economic well-being. Synonyms include abundance, affluence, wealth. So what is that saying? That's saying that God wants to provide us the resources to be able to accomplish the task. I don't know about y'all, but with the plans that God has shown me, it's going to take a lot of money. So I have to realize and rely on him that he has what I need because otherwise I couldn't accomplish what he has. In fact, he showed me at one point that he wants me to run a free, like a retreat center. And I'm like, how do you run a free retreat center? Uh, I'm not like one of those, uh, you know, people who makes their own, you know, butter and all that kind of stuff. I just, I'm not that kind of person. So I was like, how does this work? Well, it worked because there's finances laid out to be able to help with that. Secondly, I need to, Return to the priority. What's the priority? God's the priority. It was never supposed to be about all these other things. What does it say? Seek ye first God. Go after God. In fact, Solomon, right? When God comes and asks him, you can have anything you want. I'm trying to think of like a genie, you know? I want a thousand more wishes, you know? But no, what does he ask for? He asks for wisdom. What's that? He wants the process, the mind of God to be in his mind. I mean, how much further can you go? That's a priority on God. And since he said that, guess what? He said, not only will I give you this, but then I will give you uh, 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 uh. And so it's the same thing with us. When, when, when we begin to focus on God and not so much the uh, process or the strategy or the, the, the dimensions of how it all has to work out, stop trying to figure it out. Because I'm going to let you know right now, you ain't. You have to learn to rely on God. He's the priority. I mean, what we talk about, Deuteronomy 5 and 29, talk about staying on God's path, obeying God's covenants, right? We're going after what God has for us. And then also, though, we need to stand on the promises of God. I love what this says because I don't know if y'all know, but there are so many promises in the Bible and the Word of God that talks about. And one of the biggest promises that it talks about is um, the children of Abraham, right? It talks about a like a great nation. Things are going to happen. All kinds of stuff is going to be occurring through this process. And this is what I like. In Romans, Paul had to address some instances where people were saying, is God forgetting his children? You know, is God goofing around? What's going on here? You know, because it's like not everybody's taken care of. And so Paul had to bring something back to their mind. And he was literally saying that, you know, um, 
Abraham had Isaac, but guess what? Abraham had other children too. The promise was through Isaac, not through just all his other children. Interesting, huh? In fact, in verse 8, it says, This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily the children of God. He's talking about. This is Paul. I'm not saying this. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. So it never had to do with a blood test. Well, unless you're talking about the blood of Christ that covers our soul. But it wasn't a natural blood test that said that as long as you've got this DNA, then you're okay. It wasn't about that because everybody looked at it as like descendants of him. Whoever came from that path line must be blessed. No. And why I like this is because it says we're going to do this. And so, in fact, verse 9 says, For God had promised, I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but remember this is talking about the old people who had a baby and that's not supposed to happen. Um, and then lastly, though, we need to claim the promises of God. And this is kind of like, this is where we're going to sum it up a little bit. Uh, and this is where we touch into Genesis chapter 12, because why? Because I think that um, these are some of the compounding promises that God has throughout the word of God. And this is the point where he wanted to kind of bring it to a head. So this is, he's calling Abraham here. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. So basically, walk away from everything you know. That's hard. Imagine leaving everybody. Going to some place, you don't know anybody. And it says, and go to the land that I will show you. And this is what's funny. He didn't say go to Kansas. <laughs> right? He didn't say go to this place. He said, just start going and I'm going to show you. Oh, wow. So not only do you want me to leave, but now you want all this to happen. And it says, I will make you a great, into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, who treat you with contempt. All the families on us will be blessed through you. So we need to learn in life that God has more for us than we have been living with. I'm just saying. God didn't want you to struggle. God doesn't want you to suffer all the time. God's not wanting you to hold your own. You know, He's not wanting you to tow to carry a aircraft carrier. Yeah. And they got anchors. They're like huge. Imagine trying to pull one of those around because that's what we think we should do. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to just tow our own. We're trying to look at all the scriptures that says what we need to do, what we need to accomplish, and we're going to try to do that to our very best. We can't do it. It never was meant to be done that way. It was never meant to be done that way. And so I want us to look at a few statements. These are four statements that I want you, well, I want us, but you, know, you as an individual, I want you to look at these. And I want us to think about how we can claim because we, we know what the promises are. Why can't we claim the promises of God? That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be walking into what he has for us. We're not supposed to be walking away from it. We're not supposed to think about that, oh, when we get to heaven, it'll be fine, but the rest of the time it's going to suck. It doesn't have to. And I'm sorry if I'm being a little weird or harsh or whatever, but I'm getting sick and tired of people saying that God doesn't want us to do more. And guess what? Guess how many outings and how much quicker we could build a new building and everything 
if God made y'all all millionaires. Just saying. Wouldn't that be awesome? So let's just look at this real quick before we say it. God, I leave my comfort zone and follow your design. Meaning I step out of what I know for what you have for me. And the thing is, is he's not telling us a destination. It's a journey that we go through. We don't reach it. Well, when we get to heaven, we'll reach it. But before then, we won't reach it. You make us a great nation. It said God had the capability of making nations out of nothing. He could make small nations big. He, could, he gave the nations their very wealth and power. Number three, you make me blessed. It talks about fruitfulness and increase. God is called the fount of honor and promotion, if you look in the Word of God. Obedient believers shall be celebrated and made great. Why? Because they did what God said and received those rewards. And then you bless me to bless others. That's what it's all about. So if we keep God first, we're focused on the plan, we're accepting what he has for us, we're believing what he has for us, and then we're believing that we can put into action what he's called us to do because of how he blessed us. That's what it all comes down to. So, if you want to, I'm not expecting you to, it's up to you completely. But if you want to, I want you to just repeat this with me. God, I leave my comfort zone and follow your design. You make us a great nation. You make me blessed. You bless me to bless others. We thank you. We thank you for the blessings in our life. We thank you for the promises you've made to us.